It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as the Star Wars TV shows, Star Trek, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. watch um the most recent episode of boba fett uh is it the second episode you're right that's right uh yes i did yeah what'd you think hmm what happened in that one again um <laughs> what happened was that one the one that was mostly like the train fight and him mostly flashback oh okay yeah i like that one quite a bit oh man i was all about it <laughs> oh no yeah it, the first episode i was kind of like really we're still spending time with these sand people like I don't really feel like they look super great in this new era. Like, I feel like they look a little silly, but... Okay. No, I, I, I end up really being happy with how that worked, and yeah, I, I really like that episode. The more we learn about them, the better. I mean, for me. I, the more I learn, the more I like them. Because I've, I've always wondered about them since I was a kid. Uh, and it's only been very recently that we're actually really learning more about them as a people or a culture or whatever. And... Uh, I don't know. Do you ever want to see what a sand person actually looks like, or would you rather always be a mystery, like what they look like underneath their masks or whatever? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that a lot the last time I watched it, because I was like, you know, the more that we're focusing on them, the more this design. I don't know if it's just it looks so different than it did in the original series, but I feel like it doesn't hold up as well. And I'm like, clearly they're all bandaged. Wait, what would it? What in particular? Well, they're, something about their masks just look a little funny, and they've got those spikes on their heads. And I'm like, is this some sort of apparatus that they have stuck on themselves because they can't breathe in the desert? Are they like some sort of, I don't know, like a Gungan or something where their skin's super no, sensitive? No, but I mean, are their, masks, are their masks that different than they were before? Um, I don't know about that different, but they just look more fake to me. I don't know if it's the better cameras, like the HD cameras. Okay, I think I know what you mean. I think I, okay, I think I know what you mean. Uh, like maybe they don't look as weathered and whatever, um, like worn in or whatever. Yeah, and they look a little bit more plasticky or something. I, I'm not sure what it is, but okay, I know what you're saying, and that's probably just down to that's down to production or whatever. Which there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, if you really focus on that stuff, you can kind of notice it here and there with different stuff in uh in the Mando series or or Boba Fett. Because even, mm. even uh, Jabba's palace looks a little clean to me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't mean clean, but I mean clean like new, like newly manufactured. Yeah, definitely. Um, but also, I think they probably, when they show Jabba's main area, whatever you want to call it, I feel like 
there's only like one real wall and probably the other two walls that we see are probably the void or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just less sand and it's much brighter lit than in Return of the Jedi, so that makes a difference too. Oh, but uh, what'd you think of those huts showing up? Um, that's fine, whatever. Uh, huts, I'm never really a, a fan one way or the other about huts. And mm. huts continue to be gross as they've always been uh, at any mm. point. And this whole idea of twins makes sense and is also gross. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm fine with seeing where that all goes and how Mando, I'm assuming, not Mando, but Boba Fett, I'm assuming by the end of the season or whatever this is, um, that it'll end with with Boba Fett being on top of Tatooine or being in charge or whatever, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. All right, let's see how that goes, how he works that out. Um, I don't know. I'm okay with that. Uh if it takes two seasons or whatever to get to the end of that storyline, okay, that feels like a bit much to me, but whatever. Uh, I'm entertained either way. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely into this. And, uh, no, it was cool. No, I will say this. Uh, when the pups showed up at the end, it made me wonder. I was like, oh, man, what if we get to see Zero the Hut? Wouldn't that be great? Which one's Zero? Um, he was in the animated series movie. He's got like a big. He ran some sort of. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know, like a gay bar or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I kind of remember. I remember. I remember that hut, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, but it it made me uh, start thinking about that show again. I was like, ah, you know what? Maybe I'll fucking start that show. So I watched the first episode, Ambush. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was not not at all a fan. So I haven't gone back yet. Probably when I watch the next. The Book of Boba episode, I'll watch another one, but... <laughs> um, Clone Wars is definitely worth it. I'm amazed that we somehow eventually convinced Kat to watch it, and she actually watched the whole entire thing. And it took her probably, like, I don't know, three months or something that she went through the whole damn series, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Uh, now, I would almost recommend someone find some type of viewing guide that... Mm-hmm separates the essential stories from the non-essential like if you didn't want to go because if you could somehow skip the non-essential like the okay you've watched anime obviously right before you know how there's like filler episodes Mm -hmm. do you understand what that means like in terms of anime series um is it different in anime then yeah 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 well in anime i mean filler episode we know what it means on its face but as it pertains to anime um there's a reason behind it in anime in anime, the reason it happens is because, you know, animes are based upon mangas. And sometimes, that, like famously, like with Dragon Ball Z, for instance, but it happens in plenty of other shows, uh, the, the series catches up to the manga. And so they get stuck because they don't have new material to produce. So then they produce filler material, which they just make up to pad time to, so that more manga can be created, you know? And so that's why they create stuff that's not in the manga, just random stories just to take up time. And those are usually, you know, the boring fluff episodes uh, in anime. Um, so that's why it's, like, kind of specific. 
even though I know there's filler episodes in American shows and, and other things. Uh, but it may, it, but in anime, it's because of reason. It's because they don't. They're waiting for new material to get produced. Hmm. But anyway, if someone was to skip over the filler episodes of Clone Wars, you're not missing anything. Um, really. Uh, but who knows? You could end up liking it so much that I mean, some of those filler arcs can be interesting or something, even if they're not essential to the overarching story. But I'll say. There's definitely a lot of episodes you want to skip, like in season one. And then maybe, maybe, and then less so, but probably a fair amount in season two. But somewhere around season three, it just becomes a, a good a good overall show. And then it's not such a big deal right. anymore. And you can just kind of go with it. Yeah, I might take it by, you know, by an episode by episode basis. If I'm like, I can tell this is just going to be another one of these i'll just turn it off because yeah i did not enjoy that episode at all <laughs> it felt just like the movie and i was like oh man um was that if i remember correctly is the first episode something about yoda yeah it's yoda and uh three i was gonna say stormtroopers three uh, clone troopers trying to win over this toydarian uh guy versus mm-hmm. uh dooku and um uh, ventress mm-hmm. yeah and it was yeah. it was like a competition episode it was just yeah really lame <laughs> so that's the first one of the series yeah and uh i want to say that's like a part of a three episode arc um something like that oh well most the most of them are all part of a two or three episode arc uh, there's very few that are singular uh and there's very very few actually like i said it's like it's almost like an anthology show um uh, because you'll get two, three episode arcs, maybe even a four episode arc somewhere, um, and you'll be basically following those characters for that particular story, and then that one will end. And especially if you're in the early seasons, you'll just randomly jump through time, like through a randomizer, and now you'll jump into a different arc, which will focus on different characters, and then you'll kind of be with them for another two, three episode arc. And then the randomizer will happen again, and you'll be in a different place. So it's kind of like that. Like in a way, it's like Doctor Who because it's serialized. And oh, you may not like this particular serial, but maybe you'll like the next one. And like Yoda will be in this one, but then he won't be in the next one. And oh, the next one will feature Anakin or Anakin Obi Wan, and then you go okay, and then that'll be the end of that one. And then the next one will be Padme. Or whatever, and it's just all over the place. But I remember, I remember reading this in a comment, and it baffled me to no end. I don't know if it's true. That they would do things like, you would watch the first part of the, an arc in Season 1, and the second part wouldn't come until halfway through Season 2. And I was like, what? Like, that, that doesn't seem to make any sense. <laughs> okay, there are some like that. There are some, there are some like that. So... One that like just blew my mind, like it just seemed surreal. Well, in not in your way, but I was in a later season. I don't know what it was. Season five, season four, I don't know what. And I just start watching this, you know, the next episode, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, dude, this location seems really familiar. And I'm like, have I seen this? Like I've seen this, but I'm in season four or five. Like what the hell is this? And then I realized 
like it's like a two story or whatever arc that is a prequel to the movie. Oh. And it took me a while to figure that out. And I'm like, holy, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm this deep into this series, and we're going back. Uh, a prequel that that leads into the movie. And it just blew my mind because there's no signpost telling you that. Like, you don't really realize it. Like, you just have to, like, stare at it and wondering, what the fuck is going on here? And then it's so weird that comes like really late into the show's run. And it's just placed there. And then once that arc is over and you'll realize at the end of it, oh, now the movie happens right after this. But then when you watch the next episode, now you're back into like, you know, more uh, like more back in the timeline, so to speak, like where you left off. You know what I mean? Weird. That's strange. <laughs> it is weird. It is strange. Um, that's why, I don't know, I guess a person, I never did, but I guess you could find like a viewing guide that puts the episodes in chronological order. And I mean, <laughs> that would work, I guess, because then you would avoid all this trouble, but you would be jumping all over the place. Like constantly, like you'd be, you'd be like, oh, now watch season two, episode whatever. Now watch season one, episode whatever. You, um, <laughs> but at least it'd be chronological. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's, it's so bizarre. But you get used to it, mm. and you know, it's almost like if you were, like, back in the old days when I was watching um, Star Trek: The Original Series. Like when I first started watching it when I was little, I never mm. knew what came next or. If we were in season one, and by the way, everyone knows the TOS, like the first 16 episodes were are not chronological as well, same as Clone Wars. So you just be watching shit and you have no idea, but you can just, you just kind of go with it. Or when I used to see Doctor Who and you could just catch it when you could catch it and, and mm-hmm. you, you don't know where you're at, like what season or whatever. Um, and you just go with it. Oh, everything's different now. Okay, whatever. It's Doctor Who. That's well, kind of like the Clone Wars. You get used to it. However, as I said, uh, once you get to season four onward, it mostly cleans up, like and things start to be chronological. But you will have these random ones, yeah, that'll take you back to another time or something. Did they keep that kind of style with uh, with Rebels? No, not at all. No. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. No. Maybe when Lucas had less involvement, they're like, okay, now we can finally make this show uh, a little bit more straightforward. <laughs> Lucas and his strange ideas. But I think me and um, Julian, who's not Julian anymore, I think me and Julian were still in touch and talking when Rebels was like a new show. Because me and Julian used to talk Star Wars all the time. Just like me and you talk about Star Wars like right now. And I th- like I said, I think me and Julian, aka Haley, were still having regular communication when Rebels came out. And what I couldn't understand about Rebels when it was brand new, so, like, you would think at that point, because it's the same people who made Clone Wars, so you would think they already have this many seasons of Clone Wars under their belt, you know, they're used to animating things now on a regular basis. You know, they have their whole production outfit, right? So you would think that if just because they're starting a new series, but you'd think they'd hit the ground running. And that they'd already, because they've already been producing stuff for some years already. It's not like starting from scratch. But a curious thing about Rebels, especially season one, 
So it has a different art style, obviously. And in the early episodes, so you have the, the main cast, obviously, like the main character, the hero character, so to speak. But then you have like NPCs, right? Like out of like from you know, filler characters in the background, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing in the first episodes of Rebels. Like, wait a second! All these, all these random NPCs, like they all look the same. Like they're just painted different, like different color schemes. Oh, wow. And I, I believe I was talking to Julian Haley back then, and I was like, "What?" I was like, "Have you noticed that, like, um, like there's this one NPC who's based upon the sketches of of Starkiller, um, from the sketches of like uh, New Hope." Uh, there's this NPC who's based off that look, like he has like the outfit and everything. And I was like, "Have you noticed that the Star Killer NPC just pops up everywhere? It's just his hair color's different, his outfit's painted different, but the actual character model is like identical." And then Haley was like saying that the reason why, and I think I found some articles later that corroborated this, is that because this is a brand new show. It took so much effort to create new character models that they just kept reusing like the same five, like in those first early episodes. And then I was like telling Haley, like, how hard could it fucking be to make new character models? I mean, even if you, like, if you play video games, you know how they all, they constantly come out with new skins for characters, and how hard is it to just make different clothes? Because these NPCs were like literally clo- like they didn't change any physical features about their outfits or their hair or anything. All they did was change the coloring. And I didn't understand like is it that hard? Like like if you've ever played like Nintendo and you just make your little me character, how hard is it just to switch out the eyes or switch out the nose, you know what I mean? Like so I, I was like this doesn't make sense to me. So you're telling me they're just stuck with these five character models and they just have to keep reusing them over and over. And it really distracted me in the early days of Rebels because it's like they only had a few assets to work with and they just can't. Do you understand what I'm saying and how it doesn't make sense like when you hear what I'm saying out loud? But I swear to God, if you watch the series, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about in season one. Yeah, I totally get it. And they're probably just so busy, like, designing sets and stuff. Little animated sets. And they're like, ah, screw it. Just put the person in there. We got the little template. Yeah, change a couple of things. Insert them in there. It's just background. People won't notice. Probably think kids won't notice because it's probably oh my God. more aimed for kids, right? I kept noticing Starkiller was just everywhere. He's <laughs> just constantly walking by. It's like uh, when you watch Walking Dead or certain movies and you keep noticing that same extra over and over again. That's exactly what it's like in the early seasons of Rebels. You just see the same extras constantly being reshuffled. It's very strange. Um, But they work it out eventually. (laughs) They start having more character models. Um, But no, Rebels is pretty much chronological and... uh, it works, and, um, yeah, me and Carl just had discussed this, like, just like we had a theory on, like, every new Star Trek show, like, of the gen- of the 90s, 
they all went through their similar struggles as every time they came out with a new Star Trek show. They seem to always follow the same trajectory. Like the first two, three years, they don't really know who they are as a show. And then they figure it out by season three or four. And then the like the really good stories start coming out. Whether it's Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, even Enterprise. It was, And me and Carl, when we would talk about Rebels, it kind of seemed like the same thing as Clone Wars. Like... <laughs> The first season or two, they think they're a kid show, so they kind of do more kid-centric stories that are not that interesting to an adult. But then by season three, they go, you know what, F this, let's just tell the stories we want to tell. And then things all of a sudden grow up and get more serious, and you have so much more interest. And Rebels seem to follow that same trajectory, just like Clone Wars did before it. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, we're back to the kid thing again. And then you go, oh, no, now they're growing up because this is not a kid show anymore. Or, it, I mean, it is a kid show, but not really. Like when you get into later seasons um, for both Clone Wars and uh, uh, Rebels. And then when Bad Batch started, which was just a year ago or so, we almost thought the same damn thing was going to happen again, uh, me and Carl. Because we're like, oh, shit, are they going to kid it up again like do we have to go through this whole process but no they got it they got adult real quick so so yeah they... oh but uh speaking about that star trek kind of conundrum do you feel like discovery finally found itself in the third season or still kind of just flailing around a little bit uh i know i think it was remarkably be remarkably better by the second season um uh just the first season, well, you saw the first season, right? It's the most yeah. out there. It's the most, like, wow, we are deviating from Star Trek as you know it. It's the most far removed. And then by season two, they were already like, all right, we need to kind of, like, get back to Star Trek. Now, do they ever get back to Star Trek? No, I, I don't think they're even back to it now in season four. But at least they started trying to not be so weird and different and slowly started trying to turn the ship the other direction and it's still a work in progress um but season two you know they re reintroduced maybe a few episodes that were like okay because se season one was much more serialized season two is also serialized but not as much and season two they made an effort to try to have more episodic self-contained stories if that makes sense um even though they were still serial in nature they made an effort to have individual stories like oh this story takes place on this one planet and then maybe this other story is on a different planet which they didn't really do in season one um and then season three mm, what's weird about season three and now four is that even though they're telling a much bigger story in three and four as compared to one and two, they've simultaneously gotten a much smaller budget than what they had with season one and season two. Oh, so that's interesting. Hmm. Now, only someone like me who notices everything, you know, a casual viewer will not notice this. To the casual viewer, oh no, this is just much, you know, they've expanded the story and the scope and blah 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 but if you're like me and you read things and then you can kind of just tell 
Um, there's there's definitely episodes that are designed a certain way because they're trying to save money. It's kind of like when they used to talk about Doctor Who. I mean, if you when you if you ever listen to Radio Free Scar or somebody on a regular basis back in the day, and they would talk about how, you know, Doctor Who obviously has a very limited budget. I mean, even the new series. So there's certain episodes where they would really spend their money, and then you have to make up for it, you know, with cutting costs on other episodes. Um, and you, if you, if you're, if you're cognizant of it, you'll notice it in season three and four uh, of Discovery. And that's partly because because of the way they did the contracts for season one and two, um, uh, uh, CBS All Access. Because they had this huge Netflix worldwide distribution deal, and Netflix gave them a ton of money for the worldwide streaming rights. Oh yeah! So they basically had like an unlimited budget for season one and two, but Netflix pulled their support for season three, and so they had to like radically reorganize. And so you can kind of tell like they don't have unlimited budget anymore. And there's certain episodes that just take place. You know, like on a ship interior, you know, so they don't have to create new sets and stuff. So you, you can tell mm-hmm. if you're that kind of person who notices everything. Yeah. Do you think it's going to go on for too much longer if they're... I mean, I, I, I've i seen nothing but backlash for a long time, so... Well, they thought it was going to possibly get canceled at the end of season three. And if you watch it, you'll see they even write it in such a way that the finale could have been the series finale if it had to be. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, they were trying to, like, close up storylines and and things. So the show could have ended at the end of season three, and they could have just said, and that's that's all we wanted to say about that. But, um, no, it obviously continued, and so they're still in the process of season four, and uh, it seems okay. It seems okay. But... I think the show got better. I still think season two was the one that I thought was the coolest of the four Mm. for my personal taste. Um, But I I like the show. I like watching it. But without getting into details and getting into spoilers, I have the same problem that most reviewers on YouTube I see have, which which is... Throughout the entire run of the show, but it continues, characters, main characters, whatever, they are extremely emotional. Extremely. And it's not just one or two. It's almost all of them. And they Mm -hmm. have this thing of overreacting to all kinds of situations, big and small, and interpersonal and whatnot. And, like, Michael Burnham is, like, the main character, right? Someone mm-hmm. should do a mecha cut of the whole four seasons because she breaks down, like has a mental breakdown or is brought to tears in nearly every episode of the entire show run. Like she has a moment of breakdown in almost every single episode. It's crazy. And then when other characters get featured in different episodes, they tend to have emotional breakdowns of their own for their own reasons. And I don't know what the deal is with that because people 
we'll call it like manufactured melodrama. There's way too much of it, way too much um, in, in all the Paramount shows, live action shows. Um, and I don't know if that's just because, again, they're just manufacturing melodrama. Or another way I could think of it is it reminds me of the way things are in our current times with social media and how everybody always reacts to everything like like everything's an issue like when you're <laughs> talking about current events or you're having a quote unquote debate with someone online it's like right now in this moment is the terrible moment as you and I have this debate and then whatever debate i have tomorrow with someone else will be the terrible moment of the day and i don't know if it's a reflection of our times or it's because it's just lazy writing, or maybe it's a both. Maybe it's lazy writing combined with our times. Because I've been wanting to do a Star Trek podcast or talk to Sci-Fi Parley because I've been wanting to say this for weeks now um, <laughs> about how the characters overreact and over-emote about the stupidest shit. Um, mm-hmm. Like, someone has to be brought to tears or nearly to tears every single episode. Every single episode, a, some character has to have an ex- existential crisis of some type. Of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough for the job, this situation that I'm about to go into is way more than I can handle. Like, constantly happens. Um, and every seems like every character has their turn. And like I said, how Michael Burnham is almost brought to tears in every episode... Because she feels everything so much. Like I, I try to relate that to the all the Star Trek series that have come before. Could you imagine mm. if Kirk was almost brought to tears in almost every episode? Or Picard, or Janeway, or Cisco, or Archer. Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't that be really mm-hmm. weird? And they're almost the opposite of what I started to criticize back in the 90s Trek, which was, it almost bothered me how robotic all the Federation types were, how they would just take everything in stride, and they were generally always so positive and generally always so put together, which is why I liked when there was the random damaged character, or gray, as in between good and evil, like a gray character, because that's like, ooh... This is not like all the other Federation types who are all goody two-shoes. Who like They all seem like they were all valedictorians and salutatorians of their school schooling. That's what all the typical Federation types feel like in the 90s. I remember reading some of the quotes by Alex Kurtzman when they were first like developing Discovery. And I got the sense that he just really didn't like Star Trek, really didn't like how the characters didn't feel like, yeah, you didn't feel their emotions. They didn't feel like human beings in his point of view. And so when I'd watch Discovery... Right, and I, and I understand it. Yeah, in every episode there'd be breakdowns, especially for Michael Burnham, who's supposed to be like half Vulcan. I'd be like, this doesn't make any fucking mm-hmm. sense. Oh, and, and it felt like it was just his reaction. Kind of like what I complained with Doctor Who, where it's like this this somewhat fanboy who has a very particular take, and everything has to dictate that take. Fuck the rest of the franchise. That's the sense I got with Discovery. So. Yeah, and- and I understand the original argument because I was feeling the same thing in the 90s. Um, but they've just gone so far in the opposite direction. Like They, they way overcorrected. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't understand if it was like one or two characters who had issues. Like, like 
all the characters in Discovery, the Federation characters, they all require tons of therapy, except for one. There's one, well, at least by season three, season four, there's one of the group who kind of has themselves together, but everyone else is constantly falling apart at different times. Um, constantly. And it's just so overbearing. Like, and it, it's like, are these Federation people? They seem so mm -hmm. psychologically inept, you know? And like, when you think about astronauts, real astronauts from the United States, like mm. the, the ones from the 50s and the 60s and whatever, 70s, you think or you assume that these people are, quote, unquote, the best and the best, that they've gone through training and they've been screened to be people who have their shit together, right? Like an airline pilot. Mm -hmm. You don't want some frantic, crazy person to be your airline pilot. You want someone who seems grounded and put together. So you would think that's what Starfleet would represent. Mm. And these people in Discovery are constantly falling to pieces. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on with Starfleet? Yeah, <laughs> these are the things that just infuriated me, and I could not. I'd be like, this, this is Star Trek. These were these are not people that would exist in Star Trek. And I understand that people hated the roboticness of them before, but, you know, they were highly trained professionals, and <laughs> what these people are are just, like, pathetic, like, teenagers. It, it was just, they are. I, I couldn't, I couldn't plummet it. <laughs> so. But. <laughs> but again, I'll, I, eventually I'll re go through but it again. There but was, there was something cool that happened in Season 2 specifically. Uh, and that is what set up the spinoff. That hasn't come out yet. Um, Strange New Worlds. Um, oh, that yeah. spinoff was born out of the cool stuff that happened in season two. And supposedly, you can never believe these people. Supposedly, when that show actually comes out, it's going to be the one that, out of the Paramount shows, it's supposedly going to be the one that most closely harkens back to like the original series or whatever that means and god i hope so <laughs> god i hope so and i mean I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because like i said the stuff in season two that it was born out of i really enjoyed so maybe they won't fuck that up and so maybe that might end up being my favorite of the live action paramount shows um it's strange new worlds so we'll see what happens with yeah that. i'm excited <laughs> i'm definitely excited for that one have you kept up with the uh, progeny or whatever it's called <laughs> progeny that animated one that's what it's called oh you mean prodigy <laughs> prodigy i always forget what that one's called no um i mean I, I will go back to it but it's just so much stuff i've wanted to watch outside of star trek and everything so many good shows that I want to keep up with have come out in the last couple months or, or since whenever we discussed it that I just can't get to it yet. I had to watch Witcher. Um, I had to watch Cobra Kai um, and some other things. So like, oh, and now, so I, I just had Expanse on the back burner because I couldn't even watch that because these other shows were taking up my time. So I just got to Expanse uh, recently into the new season uh i'm well i'm still 
I'm still a bit fixated on Cobra Kai. Even though I already finished the season, I'm still a bit focused on it still. I cannot stop watching reaction videos uh, right now um, to Cobra Kai. Uh, but yeah, I'm watching Expanse. Obviously, I'm watching Boba Fett. Um, like those at the top right now. Oh, I had I had to watch Hawkeye when it was out and current. I loved that show. Uh, my favorite of the Disney Plus series, even though I think it got the worst ratings of the Disney Plus uh, Marvel series, um, but it's my favorite of that stuff. Um, what was the other thing? Um, oh, so then I was watching this one reviewer I, I regularly watch who talks Star Wars stuff. And I don't always agree with him on everything, but I think he's a very thoughtful person in general. So that's why his videos, I think, are interesting on Star Wars. And he was saying how, like, like he liked Boba Fett Episode 1, but he felt like it was lacking, like it didn't really pull him in. And then he liked Season, I mean, Episode 2 more, but he still doesn't feel like the show has, like, sucked him in. And he was saying, like... He was saying, let's say Bubba Fett was a unique property. That it wasn't, you know, steeped in Star Wars lore. Let's just say the story was what it was, but it was its own standalone show. And he was saying, like, would you feel compelled by what you've seen so far in the story? And for him, he was saying, if it wasn't Star Wars related, that he would not be pulled in at this point. Um, just taking the story on face value. Um... But then he was saying, but he was saying there's some other things out there that are like, uh, what do you call it? Like original IPs or not sequels or whatever, or expanded universe. He was saying there's some stuff out there that he's seen recently that did grab him right away. And one example he gave was the newish animated series on Netflix called Arcane. Have you heard of that? Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen it though. So I've heard of it, and I was and I was aware of it, but I didn't really have an intention of watching it. But he said, so I started watching Arcane, and you know it's based upon a very popular video game. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, like, I've never played the video game. I know nothing about the video game. I just decided to check it out, and he was saying, I was sucked in, in like in 15 minutes. And I just had to just watch the whole rest of the season, like, where is this going? And I was like, hmm, because I respect this person's opinion a lot, even though I don't always agree. But just based on him saying that, I was like, whoa. So there must be something to this Arcane series. So I just started watching that like a day or two ago. And I'm not that sucked in, but he's not wrong. There is something interesting about that show. And I've never played the video game. I don't know anything about the lore of the video game world. But that is a quality show. And it is CGI animated, 3D animated. And I was going to tell you guys that uh, while I think Bad Batch has some of the best series animation right now, Arcane is a different style. But I think it's also very, very good. Like animation. Very high quality. And I think the writing and the world building seems to be pretty good. So I'm on episode three. I think there's nine episodes. And the episodes are about 45, 50 minutes long, which is kind of a lot. Um, and uh, yeah. I'm in. I, it's it's interesting. And you obviously don't have to know anything about the video game. And it deals with common themes that 
we've all seen in anime or movies and things. Like the show definitely it exists in a in a Miyazaki like world in a way. Um like you know how like in some Miyazaki movies and some other anime, it's sorta of like or I don't know if you ever watched like Full Metal Alchemist. It's almost like you're in World War One times, but it's sort of medieval at the same time. And then it's but then there's also like futuristic technology as well. Or like almost like steampunk te- technology. So it exists in that type of world, whatever that is. Um, and it's, it definitely deals with class, class issues, class struggles, like many things. Um, with the people who live in the overworld and the people who live in the underworld. So those are all themes we're all familiar with. But I'm in. I, I, it's, it's interesting. And it's pretty gorgeous just to look at. So that's, that's another damn thing to take up my time. Yeah, a friend of mine said she actually wanted to cover the whole season. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can commit to that. That's a, that's a big undertaking. But I definitely want to check it out. Oh, sp- speaking of undertakings, you just reminded me of something else I was going to tell you about. So um, me and Sean you know, did, did our most recent recording on Saturday um, for 1K1. And we didn't banter too much after we were finished, but we did talk a little bit. Um, or I can't remember if it was before or after, but either way... Um, so I was just asking him, so, you know, you've been still watching Mandalorian, still working out for you. Mm. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 we're good. Um, he's like on the third episode of season two, at least on Saturday. That's where he, him and Tom were. And he's like, oh, yeah, still liking it. Oh, wow. Getting through it. And I was like, so are you going to continue, like, when you're done with it? And he was like, well, yeah, for sure they'll probably watch Bob- Boba Fett. And I was like, yeah, definitely should do that. But then I was like, yeah, but... I was like, you could keep watching, like, Clone Wars or this or that. And I'm like, they tie in. But I don't see you and Tom watching, like, an animated Star Wars show. He's like, yeah, probably not. You know, okay. I don't blame you. But I was like... I was telling him, like, I forget, though. Like, have you seen, like, all three of, like, the mainline, like, episode 789? And he said, oh, yeah, I saw them all at the movies, you know. He's like, I don't remember much about especially 8 and 9. He's like, I, I liked 7 a lot, but he doesn't remember much about 8 and 9. And, you know, but he's like, eh, maybe I'll watch him again someday. Uh, but I know he never saw Solo and he never saw um, um, Rogue oh. One. And I was like, well, you know. They covered Solo. He did? Oh, wait. They did on the uh, we Watch on Netflix. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. They did do that. I forgot. I think I think I think he said he kind of liked it. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Rogue One he has not seen, and I was saying, well, you might want to watch it, even though it's not directly connected to to Mandalorian. Uh, it sort of has that more gritty vibe, and he was like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and then he was like, but he was like, but if you want me, if you want to watch Star Wars stuff, he's like, just. Just get Caleb to do it, and he's like, "I'll watch it." And I was like, "Oh, I mean, well, there's already we're already doing a thousand things as it is with Caleb." Mm-hmm. But he was like, "Yeah, you know." I was like, "You know, maybe when we get done with the things that we're doing right now, um, either you and me, or you and him, or us together." He was saying, "Yeah, oh, because I had also mentioned 
how we were doing like the whole Kubrick thing whenever we have a time. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, we could do all the Star Wars movies, like one through nine. He's like, I'd be open to that, like if Caleb wanted to do it. And I was like, eh, well, okay, I guess. I, we could add that to the list of many things to get to. So I was just going to tell you that. The, <laughs> yeah, it could be fun. Yeah, so Sean is open to that if it was facilitated and everything. So that's something that can be done once we tick some of these things off the list. Yeah, I was never happy with our how our original Star Wars uh, commentaries went. I feel like they weren't the best movies to do commentaries on necessarily, a lot of them. So, <laughs> so I wouldn't mind revisiting them. So there's that. Um, speaking of Kubrick, so... Isaac, are you there? I'm on another plane of existence. <laughs> oh, how, how long have you been there? Uh, What's like going on? Five minutes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't want okay. to announce myself, like, come in on and, and breaking, you know, Eric's speech. Like, how, how dare <laughs> I do that? That's, that's no, 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 no. No, no, no. Um, continue. No, but real quick. So, Kubrick, so, I don't know if you knew, Caleb, um, but Paths of Glory was already previously announced to be coming out on 4K this year. Maybe sometime in the next three months. Oh, I did. And then, did you hear, but we don't know when, but supposedly Killer's Kiss and The Killing are also supposed to come out in 4K this year. Uh, but we don't know when. Uh, Interesting. And all of those, or at least the last two, they're getting released by, what's that company? Rhino or whatever? Uh, whatever that, that's another company that, that brings stuff out like kind of like Arrow, you know. I mean, like, like uncover stuff or stuff that's anyway. They're the ones bringing those out. So once all those are out, all the Kubricks will be out on 4K, except for obviously Fear and Desire. Um, but uh, <laughs> that'll just leave Lolita and uh, Eyes Wide Shut. And I think some other company has the rights to Lolita, so I think it's up to them to decide to release that on 4K. And, and Warner Brothers has uh, um, um, eyes wide shut. And that would be it. And they would all be out there. Um, I'm not saying we have to wait for all those 4K releases to come out. Just saying, at least they're all supposed. To, those three are supposed to come out this year. No, that's cool. That's cool. Especially, I'd love to see uh, Glory on 4K. I'm sure that would look fantastic. The other two are a little bit rougher. Absolutely. Hmm. Have you seen Glory? Oh yeah, I've seen all the, the Kubrick films. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, I guess you've told me that before. But anyway, that's it. I'm spent. Mm. Sure. Isaac, how's it going? Bob Saget's dead. Yep. With that elf- elephant of the room out of the way, now we can get on with normal stuff. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw that on TikTok of all places. Um, like 50 minutes after the news had broke. I, I, I heard it first on TikTok of all damn places. So are you a TGIF guy uh, of the 90s? Everybody. And their mother. Who, who Everybody who was alive back then, who was at home on a Friday night, and I'm definitely part of that group, you had no choice but to be that. <laughs> and so No choice. No choice at all. There's nothing else you could really do on a Friday night. If you were at home on a Friday night during that era, you were watching TGI Friday or TGIF or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you could go to the arcade. Mm, again, if you're at home. 
So if you're at home, you're not the arcade. Fair enough. Fair point. And don't get me wrong. There are times when I went out on Fridays during that era. But more often I was home than I was not. During that however many year span that that, that, that was must-see TV. Of course, must-see TV was the other thing that existed at the same time on NBC. But anyway, because um, TGIF, man, that, all, that had like at least like a seven, eight-year run. Where it was like the thing, um, so yeah, I was home many Fridays during that seven or eight year run, and so yeah, there was nothing else to do at home. And did you two bring uh, Bob Sagan into your house, making it a full house? To bring? What does that mean? No, no. Did did you two oh. bring Bob Sagan into your house, making it a full house? Um. Yeah. Would full, I, I was one of those people, because, hmm, from approximately 1987-88 until 1993, so from approximately 87 to 93, anytime there was like a new show that was supposed to be something, like a sitcom, that was supposed to be like good or popular... I saw all those shows that came out like in that time span. Like I watched them from episode one. So I remember when Full House like premiered and I watched it just because it was a new show premiering. So I was there from day one. Um, and did I watch it religiously? No, but I did watch it quite a lot. Like, I don't know, the first three or four seasons or something. And then after that, I would just catch it sporadically. Um, but especially when season one came out, um, of course, uh, back in those days, and because of my age and everything, um, Candace Cameron was was one of my big TV crushes back in those days. <laughs> I have quite a few, but she's she's on my list, my Hall of Fame of uh, TV crushes in the late '80s, early '90s. So yeah, but I was never like a massive, massive fan. I just watched it, just like everybody watched it. Just like um, what's that show called? Um, America. Alluding to a lot of different shows there. America's Funniest Home Videos? Yeah, that one. Yeah, America's Funniest Videos. Um, I started watching that from the beginning, just like everybody else did at the time when Bob Sackett was the host. So I pretty much you know, watched all his years on that show as well. Hey, uh, Caleb, did you know that Bob Sackett and Betty Di- at White have died? Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. that's good because the internet won't stop telling me about it. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Those plus Sidney Poitier <laughs> plus John Madden yes. plus um the director was his name with the letter B. Oh yes. Yes, him. Uh what is his name? He's friends with Denis Villeneuve. He did uh Dallas Buyers Club. Oh yeah, I'm not sure I Bionovic Bionovic. Uh yeah, and me and Sean did like one or two of his movies recently. Uh which is why I kinda knew him. What island is that? It's the island to the left of us. Oh, yeah. Vancouver Island. Yeah, the, the other big uh, area in Vancouver. If you see the world map and then you see North America, there's a, there's an island that's, like, right next to uh, next to us, and that's called Vancouver Island. I think it's bigger than Manhattan Island. Yeah, it's pretty huge. Actually, I'm going to say, yeah, it's pretty yeah, It's bigger than Manhattan Island. Bigger than a bread box. <laughs> bigger than a silver dollar. But it looks like, well... I was going to say it looks bigger than Long Island as well. Yeah, probably. Sure. 
Because Long Island is, is also much bigger than Manhattan, but still. Is it long? Right. <laughs> What's... Yeah, I've always said that that's the place I'd like to retire. Vancouver Island is just beautiful. Yeah, it's where all the hippies go and where all the hippies are, excuse me. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they all got old and retired there. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and all the islands in between. Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, packed with old folks. Yeah, there's a lot of islands. Yeah, there. looks pretty huge. If I'm looking, I think I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking at the right thing. Yeah. There's only one. Well, I mean, then there's the Queen Charlotte Islands, but we don't talk about those. Yeah, I forget about those. Yeah, and definitely a lot bigger than Long Island as well. I don't know, I'm not from... Not not as big as Florida, though. <laughs> no, but that's not really an island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of these days a superstorm may just cut off part of the uh, the strip and leave, basically create an island. Maybe. That, that reminds me, uh, I just, in this past week, watched Reminiscence. Do you guys remember that hit film? Isabel. Mm, look at that. Oh, wait, is that the one with uh, Hugh Jackman? <laughs> Hugh Jackman, yeah, it came out last, I guess, yeah, last year. I think in. It came out recently, streaming. Um, I intend to watch it. Yeah. Don't step on it too much, unless unless it's just completely not worth my time, then you can go ahead and say that. Synopsis, please. But synopsis. otherwise, I was going to watch it. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth going into synopsis too much. It was just like, the, the thing that really captured me that made me want to see it is one, I watch almost anything Hugh Jackman does, but two, it was set in the future, I think it was Miami. And most of it had been consumed by, like, the ocean and the tides coming in. So it was like a city drowned in water. And I was just like, I'll fucking watch anything with lots of water. And in that regard, it was just beautiful. I loved all the shots of the city. But the plot... Um, Eric, you might remember this. Do you remember the movie that Johnny Depp did from... It was like a protege of Christopher Nolan. Um, they made a movie. Oh, oh yeah. Um, what's that one called? It's um, uh, Transcendence. Transcendence. Did not see it. It felt very much like that movie. Watched it on a plane. There was like a lot of really cool concepts here, but it feels like a first-time director, and the first-time director can't quite get their hands around it. That's what but it felt like to me. I've definitely seen movies like that. Like, what you mean? Um, what was I going to say? Uh, did you watch that one movie that came out streaming like three or four months ago with Chris Pat? Chris Pratt? Um, what the heck was it called? The Tomorrow War? Yes, that one. I watched it last night. <laughs> the Tomorrow War. It was Tomorrow War. Oh, you just watched it? Yeah. It's kind of funny. So I watched it like the week it came out. And I know a lot of people said it was garbage. Um, what did you think? Hmm. I liked it. Um, it felt... It was kind of weird. It felt like the climax happened almost like in the middle. And it just kept going. It's another yeah. movie that felt like... Maybe the director didn't fully have their hands there on the script, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was mostly well executed and had some cool concepts to it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and a cool monster, too. So, for me, it was one of those movies, like, it's not on any of my best of lists or anything like that. And it's not high art. But it's the kind of thing that I could just watch. And I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. And it, it engages me enough. So I thought it was just like perfectly fine. It's just like a regular watchable movie. Um, I thought mm -hmm. people were being a bit hyperbolic when they were just calling it trash, and like, oh yeah, trying to poke holes in it, like plot holes. And I'm like, what's the point? Of, I mean, I could do that too if I wanted to, but to that movie, but but what? But why? Yeah, it had a cool concept. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, I I still try to celebrate 
interesting science fiction films, even if they're not perfectly executed. You know, it's still fun to, to see new sci-fi stuff. Okay. I'm just wondering. Although I was convinced that, that, that I'd read a book that was very similar to that, and I just could not remember what it was called. Oh, I'm, I, there's... But I feel like I read something that... I have definitely seen an anime or something that had a similar concept, but yeah, who knows what it was. What, Edge of Tomorrow or the Forever War? Forever, the Tomorrow War. Edge of Tomorrow definitely had some... <laughs> Wait, Edge of Tomorrow is... Well, the Forever War... I, I... Yeah, did you ever see that one? Is Edge of Tomorrow the Tom Cruise one? Tom Cruise. Live, die, repeat. Yep. Right, well, it had both names, uh, uh, depending yeah. on... Yeah. But, um, so that one was definitely based upon an anime, or a manga, at least. Mm-hmm. A manga. And yep. they're, they're making a sequel to it, or they're making a series off it currently? Something like that. Oh, cool. It's a, a really enjoyable movie. I, I really like that, so oh. I'm happy to see it's being expanded on. Love that movie. Love that movie, everything about it, like the look of it, the story, um, uh, so, like a, a Groundhog Day thing that's, that's sort of like done in an interesting way. I'm all about that. Yeah, and maybe it's controversial, but I, I still think Tom Cruise is just incredibly charming most of the time. So I, I super enjoyed that. Sometimes he just picks bland roles, but if he picks one that can make him shine, he, he's great. I remember I liked I'm trying to remember who directed that. that movie Oblivion a bit that he was in. Again, I, it wasn't the greatest movie ever. I just kind of liked it, yeah. but it came and went. It was okay. Yeah, it was a little. I think when it came out, it felt a little bland around some of the more interesting sci-fi stuff that was coming out around it. So that kind of made it suffer. But yeah, it was it was it was okay. Oh, but I guess should we should we get this started up pretty soon here? Sure, why not? Did you guys see the trailer for? Uh, Bel Air. Bel Air. I have Bel-Air. no idea what that is. What's this? You guys haven't heard about this, have you? Nope. I don't think so. I'm looking at it right now. So back in 2019, there was a, I guess, a small-time film student, maybe not film student, but a, a film director. Uh, I forget his name. I'll, look, I'll find his name. Uh, he was like, what if I took The Fresh Prince of Bel Air and instead of a comedy... I mean, it was it tackled other things. I get that, but it was primarily a comedy. What if I put the spin of it's modern day, and instead it's Will Smith's character uh, in a drama? Hmm. And he made that trailer, and it was brilliant. And then it turns out Paramount is actually and or Paramount, whoever owns the right, I think it's CBS or NBC. Paramount Plus are making either a series or a TV show or a movie, excuse me, called Bel Air. I think the guy's probably in on it. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they just dropped the trailer today. And it's uh, pretty interesting, I'll say that. It's number two on trending right now. Hmm. It's pretty cool. That's interesting. See. Morgan Cooper, sorry. Morgan Cooper. So it could be a Peacock in the US. I think I heard a little bit about this, but. But no, it was not on my radar. Um, sounds interesting. That's actually a show because we were just talking about musty TV back in those days. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Even it was in that time frame I was just talking about earlier. Uh, and even though I did watch the show on occasion, that is not one of the shows that I watched regularly. And I couldn't tell you why. It's not like I disliked it. I just. 
I don't know. I just never watched it consistently like I did other sitcoms at, at, in those days. Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel like last time we were waiting for Isaac, me and Eric went off on sitcoms for, for a long time. We talked a little bit about Full House, a little bit like Dinosaurs. I remember saying that um, I really loved Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when I was a kid, but I've tried to get into it as an adult and I just can't get, get into the humor. And so maybe a humorless version would be more interesting to me, but... I I don't feel like the series holds up really, but it's weird. I don't know why its humor didn't work for me yet. Even though at the same time I was probably watching Family Matters and that was okay, and and other stupid shows, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but for some reason Bel Air didn't fully click with me. The the humor, um, although before the show he was known as um, the Fresh Prince, you know DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, he was known as a as a musician, you know, before the show. And I was a fan of him when he was a musician. And it's weird that it didn't translate into That's me being a fan of the show. But I, I I always well, speaking of babes who were on my Hall of Fame back in those days from TV, uh, the oldest sister on the show, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Even though I wasn't Hillary. the biggest fan of the sh- yeah, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the show. Oh my God, she was one of the hottest ladies on television at the time. Oh my god, yeah. So. It's just her character was annoying as hell. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that was on the same time as uh, Superboy, so I think the Lana Lang there would take the uh, the cake for Hottest Babe and TV at the time. But. <laughs> I don't remember what she looks like. I'd have to look it up again. Yeah, since, ever, ever since we watched that, I've just been smitten. So. Of course. Oh my god, was I in love with Lana Lang. Like the first like four or five seasons of uh, Smallville. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my uh, god, was I in love? Insanely in love. Yeah, not me. I was always more of a, a Chloe guy. I always had a thing for Allison Mack. That's why I was so. Uh... Oh hell, <laughs> hell to the no. <laughs> hell never no. No 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 no. <laughs> Especially now these days, goddamn. Yeah, I know what's happened nowadays. Time to not be her right. But I mean, even back then, though, like I would try to like Chloe more, um, but I just, <laughs> I just couldn't. Now, once uh, Lois Lane came around, okay, I was a believer for that too. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but never Chloe. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Eric, for reference, um, the L- Lana Lang of Superboy is a live-action Ariel, like. like completely off of like little mermaid it's it's like she is literally like little mermaid on live action i have to look her up because i have an idea in my head who it might be but i'm not sure and since we're going down this road i might as well just uh, okay sorry caleb you go first i'll I'll just say it she she more makes me think of the embodiment of like the 90s uh uh mary jane from the spider-man comics but but go ahead Since we're on this topic and it's devolved into this, um, who's the best girl in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Um, Hold on. I can think of who the main ones are, but I need to look at them in case there's someone I'm forgetting. (laughs) Um, Who's not one of the main mains? Maybe it was just my age, but Michelle Trachtenberg always kind of stole my heart in that one. So (laughs) That makes sense. But I, I'm not sure how old she was on that show, but when I was a kid watching it, I was always, yeah, completely enthralled by her. I definitely found her, like, prettier as she got older, like, post-Buffy. Um, mm. Okay, hold on, I'm looking, I'm looking, because 
Every now and then, I was a fan of one of the vampire chicks. Um, she was only a sometimes recurring character. Uh, Darla. Like, every once in a while... I, do you guys remember Darla? I'm trying to... I'm looking her up. Daria? No, Darla was her character's name in the show. She was a female vampire. Every once in a while, she was she was like... Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. She was like number two or three bad, like in season two or three or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not saying she was... I mean, she was just someone every now and then. I'd be like, oh, yeah, Darla's pretty nice. Yeah, Julie Benz. Yeah, Julie Benz showed up all over the place in the mid-2000s. I remember being like, oh, yeah, there's that chick. She was in Buffy. This is going to change my opinion, but is it like the show as a whole? Or it's, oh, this is unfair. Because I was like, if you just focus like on certain seasons, my answer changes. Uh, but I guess that's not really fair to focus on certain seasons. But if it was during the time of the show. <laughs> oh, God, this is going to. This is going to be a, such a lame answer. I'm actually probably going to go with Buffy, which seems ridiculous to me. Um, no, it's fair. If it was during the time of the show, uh, when the show was on air, it probably would have been Buffy. Because I was never super in love with um, Cordelia. I'm not a Willow person. Um, <laughs> I really, really have always had a weird issue with the actress who plays Faith, Eliza Dushku. Um, I've, I have this weird thing that it's come up on Sci-Fi Party Line many times that I, for some reason, cannot be attracted to her no matter what she looks like, no matter what she's in. And I cannot explain it. There's just something in my genetic code that, re- that refuses to let me be attracted to Eliza Dushku in any way. Um, now, even though I would have probably pick Buffy. I have a, a side story to say about all this. So, when I went to the Gallifrey Convention in either, it was either 2010 or 2011. It was one of those years. So I'm over there for all the Doctor Who stuff, whatever. And Amber Benson was like a random guest. Because every now and then they invite random people who are not Doctor Who affiliated. Um, and this either 2010 or 2011, uh, Tara was Amber Benson was just a random side guest, and I totally saw her like in the in the area where people are signing autographs and that kind of stuff. And like uh, I remember, like I don't know if it's because nobody knew who she was. Like she just looked like a regular person as well, like the way she was dressed and the way mm. she just looked like a, a civilian, so to speak. Um, and I noticed that it seemed like she was just kind of chilling and nobody was really talking to her. But to me, I was like, oh my god, that's Tara. And like, she just looks like a regular person. And I talked to her a little bit. I have a picture with her from that from that time. And I thought, dude, she, in, at, at, at that time, she just looks super attractive to me in, in like an everyday girl type situation. And mm-hmm. I reflected on that meeting her later and in later years. Because I'd be telling Josh or somebody. Like, dude, I wish I would have like spent more time and just talked to her more. She just seems like a regular person. I wonder if I could have got her email address. Who knows? Because she didn't really have much going on <laughs> at that convention. She was just kind of just chilling by herself. And I've been kicking myself ever since that I didn't try to like strike up more of a conversation or something. I always wonder what it's like. I think I even got like a little soundbite of her 
um, for one of my podcasts. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I always wonder what it's like to be those actors at a convention where, you know, you are basically just like a nobody there too because nobody really knows who you are. I'm sure, there's a picture with like your big roles, but if no one's seen them, you're just kind of sitting there bored. Must be a very strange experience for them. Yeah, that convention. Um, uh, yeah, I sent you that picture, Kayla, the one where I met what's her name? Uh, mm-hmm. Who was in that vampire movie y'all told me to watch? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember this. Is it a vampire movie? You and Sean, or uh, somebody. Uh, what were you in the shadows? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a. It was. Oh no! It was like a slasher movie from the eighties. Wait, what was vampires? And remember, was it you who recommended it? Uh, I, I, most of the time we talk with drunk with uh, Sean, I get so drunk that yeah, it's complete wash for me. So <laughs> y'all, you recommend y'all recommended, and y'all were talking about this some slasher vampire movie that I had never heard of. It was a TV movie that came out like in '85 or '86. And then y'all directed oh, me to... The, yeah, that was with Carl. I can't remember what that movie was called now. The Midnight Hour. That's it. What was it? Yeah, The Midnight Hour. The Midnight Hour. TV movie from '85. That's it. It was with Carl. And then I realized that what's her name? I had met her who was in the movie. And she's the girl from Tron. She was also the girl in the original Caddyshack. So her, when I met her, uh, yeah, she was kind of had... Like, to me, I was like, oh my god, you're the girl from Tron. But she kind of had a lot of free time. I mean, other people obviously recognize her from Tron as well, not just me. But she had a lot of free time. But at that same convention, um, what's her name? Lois Lane from the original movies. She was like right across the way from there. And those were like, oh my god. she You could tell she was already not fully there, so to speak. Like, she was... I forget what she had. If she had dementia or schizophrenia or I don't know. She had something going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she already wasn't herself. This is back in 2012 or 2013. Uh, uh, So I remember she was just kind of there and I was like, oh, my God. It's Lois Lane from the original Superman movies. (laughs) And she just looks like a random person's grandmother with dementia. Like, it's just like I, I was just like, oh, my God. And then Lou Ferrigno was right over there. He got the most attention of anybody at that particular convention. Um, <laughs> and that's when I realized how deaf he is in real life. Because um, he's like really hard of hearing. Um, and uh, and Data was there. Uh, Brett Spiner. And, and Brett Spiner, exactly. And it was a pretty low-key convention. And I just thought, what has happened to all these people? <laughs> he, uh, uh, Lois Lane from Superman 1978 was played by Margo, or Margaret Kitter yeah, Margot Kitter yeah, Mar- yeah Margot Kitter exactly yeah I just saw her uh, in Black Christmas a couple weeks ago she was looking super fine in Black Christmas great little Canadian uh, slasher film oh but I was going to say uh, you mentioning Brent Spiner reminded me a lot of this Star Trek Discovery when I rewatched Nemesis I was like, wow, it, it almost feels like Alex Kurtzman watched Nemesis and was like, this is my model for making my new Star Trek show. Oh, my God. So I don't know if you see that, but... Oh, you mean for Picard in particular? I mean, the series Picard? Definitely Picard, but also the first season Discovery. Like, I feel the fingerprints of it. All of I didn't that. think about it too much with Discovery, but at some point, whenever we talked about Picard, probably on a sci-fi line, oh, we def... It's... 
I mean, definitely like the continuation of Nemesis, the themes and everything. The worst, worst thing you could pick up on. What a disaster for that series. But, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I thought that movie was gonna be the greatest thing ever. Like before, right? Like oh, just before it came out. Didn't it come out the same year as uh, Die Another Day? I remember being so excited for both of them and feeling just crushed by them. I was like, wow, I, my fan is for both these franchises. Die Another Day, I want to say, is 2002. <laughs> Nemesis was close. Yep. It might have been 2003 Nemesis, maybe. I'm not sure. But it's it's right it's right in there. Mm. Yeah, I remember just being just stunned by both of them. I could not believe that that's what, my, what I was so hyped for. <laughs> but, uh, damn it. Uh... I should have got Amber Benson's number. I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> I'm going to quickly grab a, a little bit of wine and then we can start this movie here. Were you a big fan of Buffy back in the day, Isaac, or something? They, you brought that up? I've never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie, nor the TV show, nor that 20-year special that came out like a few years ago. Wait, but you're the one who asked the question, though, right? Yeah, just because like, it's a... So why'd you choose that? <laughs> Uh, it was the first thing that came to my mind, and I knew that both you and him, you, Caleb and you, have uh, watched it. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just ask the question. I was a big fan of it. I didn't watch it so much when it was actually on TV, but right after the show ended, or actually just before the show ended, and they started releasing the seasons on DVD, that's when I started watching it. And when I started watching the DVDs, I really enjoyed that show. I really did. But uh, it had like seven seasons. Once it started getting to... So the first three years, they're in high school. Or the first three seasons of the show, they're in high school. And I really liked the high school days. And then, you know, like many shows. On season four, they went to college. And once they went to college, it just didn't seem the same. And then it, it, it continued to change and diverge after that point And... I don't know. So I actually have never actually finished the series. Um, although I've come close. Uh, but it just, I don't know. But I really liked the high school years of the show. When it was it was just kind of simplistic. And I thought it was so funny. And I used to think Joss Whedon was like such a good writer back in those days. But yeah. Yep. Are you, are you talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Saved by the Bell? Because both have to do with going to high school and then going to college and viewership dropping off after. Oh, I'm definitely talking about Buffy. Uh, I'm definitely talking about Buffy. Saved by the Bell. I did watch Saved by the Bell, but to be honest, Saved by the Bell started in middle school. Their middle school years. It did with uh, whatever that person's name was, Miss Something. Yeah, but I was. Oh yeah, saving. Miss Bliss or something? That's what, what it, it is. Called? Thank you. What's that thing? <laughs> yeah, I think it is Saving Miss Bliss. No, I don't think it's Saving. I can't remember what it. What the... Wow. Jeez, there's a memory that I didn't know that I had. <laughs> yeah, I used to love Saved by the Bell when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. The earlier seasons, that was... I was, again, I was the right age. I was... I think I was the same age as them. Or at least whatever age they were in the show. I think I was the same age at the same time. So uh, I, it was good morning, Miss Bliss. Sorry, that was the that was the show beforehand. Thank you. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> me and everybody else my age, uh, it came on Saturdays back in those days. So we all watched it on Saturdays, uh, Saturday daytime. Yeah, 
I'm stage. It's funny, I remember being a little kid and I would watch in the mornings they would have the younger years and then in the evenings they'd have the college years. Yeah, I was out of it. And I remember always finding it so strange. <laughs> you know it's it's you know it's it came back now, like current day, right? Yep. Yep. Oh boy. Just like charmed. I watched the first couple episodes because I thought, you know, maybe they'll do something good with this, like they did with Cobra Kai. But Cobra Kai seems to be its own anomaly. Because, you know, there's a lot of shows that, and mm. properties that have tried to come back recently. Um, and for whatever reason, it seems like Cobra Kai is the only one that has got the magic formula uh, that nobody else seems able to do. It's interesting. Well, what can you do? It's okay. Cobra Kai is in a unique position and same with Saved by the Bell because Saved by the Bell is technically still like a continuation because Zack's now the principal of the school. And Cobra Kai mm-hmm. is just a continuation of the series uh, yeah. from the 80s. So, it is. Whereas, like, the Charmed reboot is an actual, like, reboot. Like, restarting yeah. from scratch. 4400, same thing. Right, but I was thinking of... I'm not thinking about reboots. I'm thinking about, like... Uh, Continuations? They had, like, the revival of Roseanne. Oh, yeah. And they had some other ones, like, in the last three years. Uh, like that. Uh, like, what's her name? What's that did, woman's um, name? Gilmore Girls? Did that come back? Gilmore or... Girls did that. That was a continuation. Well, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. Like a continuation picking up like years later. Um, I guess you can conclude or include Picard. That kind of counts in its weird way. Uh, you're right. It does in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was, there was another one. Like, was it Will and Grace or... I think it was, I yes, think it was that one. Will and Grace continued on... Oh, yeah. Murphy Brown. That's who it is. Murphy Brown. They also did a continuation what? of that. See, I wasn't sure. If, that's what I was thinking of when you were trying to remember. Speaking of somebody who was a hottie back in the day, Candace Bergman. Uh, I can't remember what movie it is or what she's in from the seventies or whatever. But oh man, she was smoking hot back in the day. Candace Bergman. Hmm. Whoever plays Murphy Brown. Uh, what else? Well, who? Else? There was another one. They were talking about like bringing back what's his face Fraser, um, but I don't think oh, there wow. was that was going to happen. And they also were talking about bringing back Coach, and I don't think that was going to happen. So, <laughs> I guess I'm okay with that. I'm 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 I'm, I'm fine with that. Is that Craig T. Nelson? Is that Coach? I think he's pretty That's old. That's Mister Incredible himself. I don't need any of these. He's pretty damn old now. <laughs> but when it works, it works. And uh, Cobra Kai is what. The Disney trilogy should have been in relation to its original material. Uh, they should have followed the Cobra Kai formula, and the Disney movies probably would have been a lot better. Um, Man, Coach, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to go back to check out this show. I remember enjoying it when I was a kid, but I it never worked for me. I have so few memories of it. Hmm. When you go back to the 80s and 90s, there's there's certain shows that I watched 100, percent and there's certain shows that for whatever reason I watched almost zero percent, and Coach is one of those that was in my zero percent. That's fair. I don't know. I guess I just watched it because it was football. Like Frasier, I didn't. I never watched that either. Oh really? Not Frasier? Hmm. Oh, that's a shame. Now I'd probably enjoy it. I'd probably enjoy it if I watched it now. Um, like I was saying to Caleb about Cheers. Like I didn't. That was not a thing for me when it was on TV. But when I revisit it now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good show. Um, so I could see that happening if I was to watch Frasier now. Oh, hey, what about, uh, I don't know if this is on TGIF, but what about Home Improvement? Oh, oh that was TGIF. Man. 
Oh, it's the first like four seasons or whatever. Oh yeah, that was that was like the funniest family show at the time. Like yeah, that that's such a shame. I I also used to love that, and I went back to it maybe like five years ago, and I just could not. I watched maybe the first ten episodes, and I just could not get get into it at all. It's like oh boy, this is so not what I remembered. But maybe I preferred the later seasons. Maybe I should have jumped into some later stuff i did not see the later seasons um and i have not revisited it ever but at the time though oh shit that that show was just about one of the best uh, in that in that genre yeah i think i had rewatched the tim allen santa claus movies a little while after that too and i was like oh wow these are just terrible like tim allen where's the charm to this guy what did I used to see in him? Except for Galaxy Quest. Everything else I've seen him do since then is just... Been... Well, except for Galaxy Quest, and I always liked him as Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. But, uh... Yeah, what a Buzz Lightyear. He's good in the first movie. I, he doesn't really have anything to do in the other ones. Especially not the second movie. And his but... sitcom that just ended a, a year or two ago. I can't remember what it was called. Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing. I never watched it. I mean, I haven't watched any sitcom like in years, unless it was like on Netflix or something. I haven't watched any sitcom in years. Fair enough. Uh, probably The Office was the last um, network sitcom I watched. But anyway, Last Man Standing, never watched it, never a fan. But I know it was very popular. And I know mm. part of what made it popular was that it was considered like a conservative show. But that's all I know. Yeah, and then when it got canceled, he was all like, "Oh, this is this is the liberal media shutting me down." <laughs> and I was like, ah. "I think he, and if I remember correctly, he was saying that because because the show was still doing pretty. It was like a strong. It was one of the stronger shows, like on the network. So I think that's what he was upset. Again, never watched it. I have no idea what's going on over there. Yeah, that that that's fair. That's fair. Not well, it's nothing. But when we were talking about Will Smith earlier, I just it's weird that. So obviously, you know, he was one of the producers of the new, the newest Karate Kid movie, the one that obviously featured his son. And and you know that the that has no ties to like the original Karate Kid or anything like that. You know, it's its own alternate story, alternate universe, whatever. That's a reboot, hmm. right? But he, I don't, I have to do more internet research. He had the rights or something. To the Karate Kid name or something, you know, when he made that movie, and then it's weird because when you watch the first two seasons, I think it's the first two of uh, Cobra Kai the series, it lists like Will Smith as like executive producer, and it's so weird. And I think it's oh. maybe because he has the rights, because I don't think he has anything creatively at all to do with the show. I don't think, and I don't think his name is on the later seasons, like the Netflix seasons. It's just weird that you just see his name there, like as if he had something to do with it. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird thing. You know, that's that sounds similar to with uh, the Lethal Weapon series, where they always said like based off of, I think special thanks to what's his name, Shane Black, or they mm. mentioned Richard Donner. I don't, I don't remember fully, but I know that the TV series. You mean? Yeah, the TV series. Hmm. Oh my god, I don't even know anything about the TV series. <laughs> all these shows that I just know exist and have no experience with them at all. 
you guys know that there was a Rush Hour TV series? I did. <laughs> no, not really. How did, how did you know? Uh, was it, wait, was there a Rush Hour cartoon? Uh, good question. Or am, I, or am I just making that up? I don't believe so. That's, that's an interesting thing to mention. Hmm. Look it up right now. Or maybe there was some other Jackie Chan cartoon that I'm thinking of. But how I knew uh, my Roku TV gives me random ads for whatever gets added to the Roku channel. And so I see a lot of these shows, and I'm just like, wow, I had no idea that they rebooted uh, Magnum P.I. again. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Just random things like that. (laughs) That's another perfect example of a show that I had very little interest in when I was a kid. And then I just started watching it one day, like, six or seven years ago on Netflix. And I was totally into it in an 80s nostalgia kind of way, even though I never watched the original hardly ever. I fucking loved it hmm. when I was watching it six or seven years ago. Uh, there's something about the 80s formula, and I didn't watch Magnum P.I., but obviously I watched other things like Knight Rider and A-Team and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And Magnum P.I. sort of follows that same structure. And there's something about... there's I have nostalgia for the structure. And, and hmm. so that's what like made me really enjoy watching Magnum P.I. Because even... Yeah. And then I, 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 I did check out the first episode of the revival or the reboot. And it was complete, it was completely, what do you call it? Mm. For lack of a better term, it was completely wokeified. Modern. For modern times. Ah. times. Yeah, isn't it like a woman Magnum and something like that? It was, no. oh no, I want to say Magnum was like a, a guy of like Latin descent. And yeah, like, he's Hispanic, and um, what's his name? Uh, the, the his his hotel owner or whatever this guy's name. Yeah, it's a woman. Yeah, right. Yeah, they did a genesis. Oh, the other character. What was that character's name? Oh, I forgot his name. Yeah. Cool guy. I uh, yeah, I, I my my dad watched it back in the day, and we recently not recently, but a few years ago, it showed up on one of the channels that we have. It doesn't show up anymore, but. Gotta say, I really like that show. I, I enjoyed it a lot. You mean the original? The original one? Or? The original one, yes. Excuse me. It's the original one. I love it. Oh, Higgins. That's it. Higgins. I, I love it. it. <laughs> yeah, the woman Higgins. That's right. I, I forgot. <laughs> and if you ever watch 80 shows, you know the Private Eye thing was done to fucking death in the 80s. Oh, yeah. But but yet, fuck, it, was, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, and actually... I was I when I got into Magnum PI, I started looking into the lineage of shows on the network. I think it was NBC maybe or whatever. But you can actually go back to the original Hawaii Five O and that show had a really popular run. And then they like transitioned into the Rockford Files and that had like a really good run. And then boom they went into Magnum PI. Because Magnum PI is like the eighties version of Rockford Files, which is the seventies. Um and, but it's the same kind of concept. It's the same kind of thing. But whatever. That's another show that came on in reruns, a syndication when I was a kid. I had no interest. Rockford Files. And then I also watched it as an adult. And thought, oh yeah, I can t- I can watch this. I can watch oh. this. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. What pees me off about uh, Magna P.I. is I love the setup of the show. But it's, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, classic hard-boiled detective, but not really hard. Okay, not classic, but it's it's going back to its roots, sort of, um, where there's a narration. I 
if people can accept narration from that, why do people hate super like comic books when there's like narration? I say that certain comic book movies should have narration to it, and people will say it's gimmicky. I don't know if the new Magna PI has narration or not, but but goodness gracious me, I what what happened to inner monologue? I think I think it could be done. I guess in some superhero, I'll tell you where I do like the stupid narration, um, even if it is gimmicky or whatever. Um, freaking love the stupid um, Scott Pilgrim movie. I really do, mm. and I'm I'm totally down with the stupid doubt, uh, narration in that movie. That has style though. Like that's intentionally doing that. Sure. I, but but I don't, I didn't know that people were so against narration like in superhero movies. Um, yeah, they are. I don't know. They could see it as like gimmicky. Like I'm open to anything as long as it's done right. Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. Well, how about the uh, narration at the start of this movie? Godzilla, the Planet Eater. Here we go. <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember the narration. But um, terrible transition. <laughs> by that point, okay, Eric, I I got a question for you. Okay. Who would who would win in a fight? Xena Warrior Princess or Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Buffy. Really? Well, see, I don't know a lot about Xena because I that was another show. Really? That was another show that I was very alive at the time. But there was a whole bunch of those shows that came out of New Zealand or somewhere else. Um and those shows those are kind of the shows that became pop. Okay, so I told you all, like Superboy, there was a bunch of shows that had a weird aesthetic, just like Superboy, like in the early '90s. And then by the time you got to the mid late '90s, they 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 um, progressed from the Superboy type weird low budget shows to the weird New Zealand stuff. Uh, and there was there was Xena, and there was like the Highlander series. And there was the uh, the other one with the guy. Her- was it Hercules? Yeah, Hercules. Those are both uh, Sam Raimi yes, productions. Hercules. Yeah, and for whatever reason, those New Zealand based shows, like they just, I I don't know. I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into that stuff. I tried. I just couldn't. Um, so I don't know that much about Xena, even though my damn niece is named after her. But that's her dad's fault. But anyway. <laughs> That's Uh-oh. amazing. Actually. Oh god. This, this is a little random, but just just briefly, did you ever watch Andromeda? That Gene Roddenberry TV TV show with Kevin Sorbo? Uh I did not, but I was I was see I was busy at the time when that show came out. Mm. So there's a bunch of shows I missed because I was busy with life and work at the time and school. So mm. that came out during that time. But uh I was, you know, Kat and Carl, I'm sure they can talk about it in Andromeda. Oh, cool. I didn't realize they watched that. Oh, yeah, they totally did. 